Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on the Lakeland Vineyard Podcast. My name is Andy Baker. I'm the lead pastor here at Lakeland Vineyard, and I just wanted to give you a warm welcome and say thank you for spending this time with us. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged through the message of hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And we would love to connect with you and make ourselves available to you. If you would go to lakelandvineyard.org and fill out a connect card, we would love to get in touch with you. Also, I would love to invite you to join us for a worship service at 10 a.m. in the room or online. We would love to see you there. Standing, so I don't feel bad asking you to stand this week. And um, we're going to do uh, this, this prayer that we've been praying um, out of Psalm 1611. Um, and, it, and, it, and it reads like this. We're up there, I'm good. Uh, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Let's do that. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Amen. I want to extend an invitation to you as we continue here. And the invitation, you can be seated. Um, and the invitation, <laughs> that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. <laughs> you guys just stood up for the rest of the service. Um, it's like that when at a wedding, when someone, the, the um, officiant forgets to tell you to sit down. You're kind of like, do we, are we? Okay, um, good stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share an extended story with you today. And you might have heard this story before, but I want you to hang on with me and really just take it in, um, even to the point where if you, if you desire uh, or would, close your eyes and kind of listen to the words uh, of the story. And, uh, and it goes like this. A young girl grows up on a cherry orchard uh, just above Traverse City, Michigan. Her parents are a bit old-fashioned and tend to overreact to her nose ring, the music that she listens to, the length of her skirts, and they ground her a few times, and she seethes inside, I hate you. She screams at her father when he knocks on the door after an argument. And that night, she acts on a plan that was mentally rehearsed scores of times before. She runs away. She has visited Detroit only before on a bus trip with her youth group to watch the Tigers play. Because newspapers in Traverse City reported in lurid detail the gangs, drugs, and violence in downtown Detroit she concludes that is probably the last place her parents would look for her. Maybe California or Florida, but definitely not Detroit. Her second day there, she meets a man who drove the biggest car that she's ever seen. And he offers her a ride. He offers lunch to her and arranges for a place for her to stay. And he gives her these pills that make her feel better than she's ever felt 
before. She was right all along, she decides. Her parents were keeping her from all the fun. The good life continues for a month, two months, a year. The man with the big car that she now calls boss teaches her a few things that men like. Since she's underage, men pay a premium for her. She lives in a penthouse and orders room service whenever and whatever she wants. Occasionally, she thinks about her folks back home, but their lives now seem so boring that she can hardly believe she grew up there. She has a brief scare when she sees her picture printed on the back of a milk carton with a headline, Have You Seen This Child? But by now, she has blonde hair. And with all the makeup, the body piercings, the tattoos, no one would mistake her for a child. Besides, most of her friends are runaways anyways, and nobody squeals in Detroit. After a year, the first sallow signs of illness appear, and it amazes her how fast the boss turns mean. These days we can't mess around, he growls, and before she knows it, she's out on the street without a penny to her name. She still turns a couple tricks a night, but they don't pay much, and all the money goes to support her drug habit. When winter blows in, she finds herself sleeping on metal grates outside the big department stores. Sleeping is probably the wrong word. A teenage girl in downtown at night can't really relax to let her guard down. Dark bands circle her eyes and her cough worsens. One night as she lays awake listening for footsteps, all of a sudden everything about her life looks different. She no longer feels like a woman of the world. She feels like a little girl lost in a cold and frightening city. She begins to whimper. Her pockets are empty and so is her stomach. She needs a fix. She pulls her legs in tight underneath her and shivers under the newspaper she piled atop of her coat. Something jolts a synapse of memory. And a single image fills her mind of May in Traverse City. When a million cherry trees blossom at once, and with her golden retriever dashing through the rows and rows of blossoming trees in chase of a tennis ball. God, why did I leave, she says to herself, and pain stabs at her heart. My dog back home is eating better than I do now. She's sobbing, and she knows in a flash that more than anything else in the world, she wants to go home. Three straight phone calls, three straight connections with voicemail. She hangs up without leaving a message the first two times, but the third time she says, Dad, Mom, it's me. I was wondering about maybe coming home. I'm catching a bus up your way. It'll get there about midnight tomorrow. If you're not there, well, I guess I'll just stay on the bus and continue to Canada. It takes about seven hours for the bus to make all the stops between Detroit and Traverse City, a 
And during that time, she realizes the flaws in her plan. What if her parents are out of town? What if they miss the message? Shouldn't she have waited another day or so to talk to them, to actually get a hold of them? Even if they are home, they probably wrote her off as dead long ago. She should have given them some time to get over the shock. Her thoughts bounce back and forth between these worries and the speech that she's preparing for her father. Dad, I'm sorry. I know I was wrong. It's not your fault. It's all mine. Dad, can you forgive me? She says the words over and over again, her throat tightening even as she rehearses them. She hasn't apologized to anyone in years. The bus has been driving with lights on since Bay City. Tiny snowflakes hit the road and the asphalt steams. She's forgotten how dark it gets at night out here. A deer darts across the road and the bus swerves. Even so, every so often, a billboard, a sign posting the mileage to Traverse City. Oh, God, she thinks. And when the bus finally rolls into the station, its air brakes hissing, In protest, the driver announces in a crackling voice over the microphone, 15 minutes, folks, 15 minutes, that's all we have. 15 minutes to decide her life. She checks herself in a compact mirror, smooths out her hair, and licks the lipstick off of her teeth. She looks at the tobacco stains on her fingertips and wonders if her parents will notice. She's really wondering if they're even there. She walks into the terminal. Not knowing what to expect. And not one of the thousand scenes that she had played out in her mind prepare her for what she sees. There in the concrete walls and plastic chairs of the bus terminal in Traverse City stands a group of 40 family members. Brothers, sisters, great aunts, uncles, cousins, her grandmother, and even her great-grandmother. They are wearing ridiculously looking, ridiculous looking party hats and blowing noisemakers. And taped across the entire wall of the terminal is a banner that reads, Welcome Home. And out of the crowd of well-wishers, her dad breaks through. She looks through tears and begins the memorized speech. Dad, I'm so sorry, I know. And he interrupts her. Hush, child. We've got no time for that. No time for apologies. You'll be late for the party. A banquet's waiting for you at home. And that's what's amazing about God's grace. Ask people what they would do to return to God, and most reply, be good. Jesus' story contradicts that answer. All we must do is cry, help. And God welcomes home anyone who will have him. And in fact, he 
He's already made the first move. And that is what is so amazing about his grace. Pray with me. God, open our eyes to see you and to love you. Open our eyes to see the people around us and to love them. Amen. So we're continuing with this series, Slow Kingdom Coming, and now we we enter into chapter 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. And of course, we, I want to remind you guys that Jesus didn't teach in chapters, okay? Um, the morning session at the conference known as the Sermon on the Mount uh, was not chapter 5, and then they took a lunch break and then had chapter 6, and then they had an extended break and came back for the evening session, all right? This is all one continuing teaching, uh, again, that is, that is built on one another. And so just as a reminder, um, as this teaching builds on uh, one another, I mean, he he talks about, he starts with, hey, this is what a a person will become as they enter into the kingdom life. He goes through what's called the Beatitudes. And to seek after true righteousness, that righteousness that, that isn't just this facade, but the righteousness that is, is because of the deep transformation. In other words, it doesn't matter how good we paint ourselves on the outside, what is going on inside? And to seek after that kind of righteousness, and that, let me just say, righteousness that's not just talked about, but righteousness that's acted on. And then Jesus teaches on anger and contempt and loving your enemies, and he teaches on lust and what that is, and keeping your word, and taking revenge, not taking revenge. Yeah, he doesn't teach you how to take revenge. A little misstep there. Sorry. Loving your enemies, giving to the needy, but giving in a way that your your left hand doesn't know what your right hand is doing. Remember, we're not blowing the trumpet of gifts. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about valuing true treasures. And as this this builds, what we see is is throughout the teaching here in these three chapters is that, that we have to come to grips with these things. Story got me running over here. All right. I'm good. I couldn't do the rest of the service like that. So we have to value these things, right? We have to look at these things, and they build on one another. And, and so we come to this, as we keep this in mind, the, the building is, is still happening. So in the, in the first 12 verses of chapter 7, what we see is, these can be these three minor sections. They can be taken as three minor things. What we're going to do is is we're going to build them together, right? Still, these building blocks that are happening, and so just keep that in mind. In Matthew uh, chapter seven, 
verse 1 through 5 reads like this, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of the speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye, and then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Two questions today. The first one is this. How can I bless somebody? How can you bless somebody who you have condemned? We sing a song and by Elevation Worship and Cody Carnes and Carrie Job, and it's called The Blessing. And if you don't know that, that song is based off of number six, the Aaronic blessing, all right, the priestly blessing. And um, that it, re- it reads like this, um, the Lord bless you. And keep you, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So back to the question, how can you or I bless someone who we've condemned? Well, let, let's get at what condemn, condemnation. Let's, let's look at that real quick. Uh, and, and knowing this, anger and contempt feed condemnation. Recall, contempt is is calling someone an idiot or saying the term raka. This means you're dismissing them. You don't care if that person existed. Now, I know no one in this room, I know no one watching online has done that before, okay? And I'm grateful. How many of you? I have I mean, if we're going to be completely honest, you know, I have not said raka to someone, okay? Because they'd be like, what is wrong with this? Okay, yeah, they'd be like, yeah, man, rock on, okay? And so, but I mean, think about this. Condemnation is communicating this, that a person is immeasurably and irredeemably bad. That a person is immeasurably, they cannot, in other words, not immeasurably, that they are irredeemably bad. Irredeemably, yeah, and immeasurably. So they're that bad that we can say, there's no hope for you. Now, so how could we say that to someone, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift you, uh, lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. But I've got some, some news, and it's great news. This is what we're called to do. This is, we are called, get this order here, love God, love people, right? The mission of Lakeland Vineyard. Right? That's what we're called to do. 
And it's in that order for a reason, because if we, do, if we don't love God, right, with all of our heart and mind, uh, soul, all of our strength, if we don't get that, how are we to love people, all right? Now, now, go with me on this. How can I bless someone if I dismiss them? I can't. It's an impossibility. See, we, I believe this. We are called to be a people of blessing. And now what we talked about at small group was, well, what does that mean? What, is, what does blessing mean? Right? Because I think we get it right, right sometimes, and I think we get it wrong sometimes. Because sometimes we say, oh, man, I, I'm blessed because I just got a material something. Right? Now, I have not seen the blessed license plate on a 1984 Yugo, right? Mainly because they're probably not running anymore, all right? But let's say a a 70s Pinto, blessed, all right? But what do we we see blessed on? I mean, like, you know, S-Class Mercedes, you know? What does blessing mean? Well, man, it, it means this. That the Lord wants the best for you. The best for you isn't always what you want. He wants the, the best for you. Okay, it doesn't mean if you're getting a car, you're going to get the, you know, you're going to get the, X, the XLE package. All right? He wants the best for you. And he wants to keep you. He calls you son and daughter. He invites you into a relationship. He wants to make his face shine upon you. Think about that for a second. His face shines upon you. I like how Dallas Willard puts it. Have you ever seen a grandparent's face when their grandchild walks in the room? Or the first time that they meet their grandchild? There's a there's a a glowing that happens, right? And may he be gracious to you. Wow, the grace of God that allows you to enter into a relationship. And, and we were talking about it over here this morning. Was You know, God, I want to relieve everybody. God is not standing over you with a hammer waiting for you to mess up. Boom. He wants the best for you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. The very, the very presence of God, his face is upon you. And this is what comes and brings you peace in no matter what. What did we sing? In death and life, right? That God is for you. Now, if we became a people of blessing, which I, let me tell you something, I think we're, we're, we're doing okay. And I think we're doing good. I think that Lakeland Vineyard is a place of blessing. I really do. I believe that we care about blessing our community. We care about where God has called us to. We're in, we're in the process of doing that. This last year has been weird, right? So we don't feel like, well, I don't, did we bless anybody this year? Yes. All right. And I can't wait till, you know, that event that's coming up so we can actually put hands to that. And I encourage you this. 
pray, pray as that event comes up. Like what? If you're lost for words, pray Numbers 6, 24 through 26. It's a real good blessing. And so, but our natural response, maybe, I'm going to speak for myself. My natural response, I believe the human natural response is this, to condemn people. Like, I, I, it's human Response is to condemn people, to control people, to try to get people to act a certain way. But as you come under the lordship of Christ, and as you're transformed from the inside out, what you realize, and you're being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, here's the opposite will happen. I I don't want to condemn you. I want to bless you. I want to be a blessing to you. So that's what, then we don't, again, it's that righteousness. We don't talk about being a blessing to people. We're actually a blessing to people. And and we get to do that and we get to participate in this as Jesus calls us to be a blessing. So we don't dismiss people. We pray for them. We don't hate people, we love them. Think about this. Your heart, soul, mind, and strength, the things that we're to love God with, right? All of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength, will be transformed and will be changed in such a way that it reflects Jesus. What does that mean? Well, that means that I can bless someone who I might otherwise look at in my natural response as, ugh, let's think about the girl from Traverse City. Let's give her a name. Lisa. Lisa from Traverse City. And we are visiting Detroit, and we walk by Lisa, who is on the ground. And she looks like death. Now, if we walk by Lisa, we're on our way to the Tigers game, right? We walk by Lisa. We're with a group. What do we do with Lisa? Do we see Lisa? And if we see her, what is our first thought? Do we judge her? Do we mistreat her? I doubt anyone in this room is going to physically mistreat this woman. I don't believe that we would. I, I, but what about our thoughts? You know, I got to thinking about this. Uh, is this, and I want you to think about this with me. Do we mistreat her in our mind by looking at her as less than? And then we have to ask the question, if she's less than, less than what? Like, 
less than worthy of dignity, less than human, less than, well, at least me, And think about it. No, I want you to think about that. Well, all of my what? All of my heart and soul and mind and strength. So what do we need to pray? God, come and change me. When I look at Lisa, God, I don't want the righteousness uh, that's outside. I want it inside And if you're like me, you have condemned people with your thoughts. We have made people less than with our thoughts. And maybe, if you're like me too, you've also done it with your actions. In chapter 1 of Romans... Uh, Paul is, is writing this letter called Romans. And um, he's telling the church in Rome that, hey, listen, uh, people in Rome are just doing whatever they want to do. Sin is abounding. Okay, they're, the sin, they're missing the mark. This isn't the best that God has for them, uh, but, but it, it, it's bad. Uh, uh, there, there's lust and murder and, and sexual immorality going on, and, and there's, this, there's this fight here for people's, well, their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And here's what they knew. This wasn't news to the Roman church, Right? They didn't receive the letter and were like, really? This is happening in our city? Okay, they already knew this. And they lived in the middle of it. I can imagine, can't you imagine, that, that maybe some in the church are, are being tempted by the very things that are going on. But, but the grace of God is abounding to them. They're, they're trying to come to a place where of inner transformation. They're in a community that is, a, they're holding them accountable to the things. And he says this, though, in chapter 2, right after chapter 1, obviously. He's saying, hey, all this sin is happening. You know, God's giving these people over to their desires Think about, that's not a mean God, by the way. That's a God that's saying, listen, I, I, I want a relationship with you, but I'm not going to force you into a relationship. You have a choice. And here's what he says. All of this bad stuff, I encourage you to read the last part of Romans 1. Go through it. See what's going on. And here's Paul's reply to that in Romans 2, 1 through 4. It says this, you may think you can condemn such people. But you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say that they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself for you who judge others 
do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment? When you have done, when you do the very same things. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Whoa. That was Paul. Okay? Don't email me this week. That was Paul. All right? And here's what the deal is. He, but he says this then in Romans 8, 1 and 2. So there is no condemnation. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. That is great news. That is such a relief, isn't it? Like there's, there's freedom as we walk as apprentices to Jesus. There's freedom in that because we've been set free from sin that leads to death. And we can walk in the power of the Holy Spirit because we are free. We don't have to walk around with shackles all over us. We are free. Two powerful scripture passages here that inform us. One, we're not to condemn people. That, and, that, and then the other is that, that we who follow Christ are free in Christ. And maybe you're thinking, okay, I get that. Love God. Love people. Love people where they are. Don't condemn or dismiss people. Live a life of freedom. But, but I have a question. This is the second question for today. Okay, I get all of that. I get what you're saying, Andy. I, li- I might even like what you're saying. But how am I supposed to straighten people up? That's what I want to... Okay, I, I get it. Love God, love people, meet people where they are, but, but how am I supposed to straighten people up? If you're like me, that's the follow-up question that I have, right? Like, okay, God, you're good, I get it, you're sovereign, but how am I supposed to straighten people up? And the answer to the question is hard for us to gather sometimes, but here it is. Are you ready for it? You're not. You're not. You're just not. Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? You're not. You're not called to straighten people up, to, quote, straighten people up. In terms of condemning, judging. I want us to go to a passage real quick. Uh, It's called the Great Commission. It's found in the latter part of... um, Matthew, this gospel that we're in right now. Uh, Verse 18, it says this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the 
Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, there is a great commission. It is the great commission. Now, it does not, I want us to just process this. It does not say, go into all the nations filled with anger and contempt. Condemn those who don't know me, Jesus, and win arguments while you dismiss people. That's the worst commission. Right? There's the Great Commission. That's the horrible commission. Right? I mean, let's, let's recall quickly. Jesus in the easy yoke. Hey, all who are weary, come to me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Man, could you imagine if, it, if that was your job to straighten out everybody in the world? That's your, that's your job. I would be so bad at that, right? You think, well, I could, I could handle maybe three people. I don't think you could. I could handle one person. I don't think you could. I can trust Jesus to do that. I cannot trust myself to do that. I can trust the Holy Spirit to do that. I cannot trust myself to do that. An example that I saw was, uh, it says this, uh, I can trust Jesus to go into the temple and turn over tables. I can't trust myself to do that. See, because Jesus meets people where he is. He, he says exactly what people need to hear. He, says, he does exactly what people need to, to, to see, right? I don't know about you, man. I'd be, like, I'd be like three tables too many, right? God's like, okay, cool. And I'm like, oh, we're, no, this is good stuff. <laughs> We've done it before in conversations, right? We've overstepped what God was telling us, right? We've said the other things that we wanted to add on. Oh, yeah, I feel like God's saying this, and I got some great advice too, right? We've all done that. And so Jesus says, take on this easy yoke, and the easy yoke is relax, okay? Be about my business, Relax. Stop trying to fix people. That's, that's, Jesus is saying, that's my business. And so we come beside people. We live a, a, a Trinitarian life, a kingdom life, a, and we, we live under, under the power of the Holy Spirit. We're guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and... And we can become more like Jesus. We can respond more like Jesus, right? Uh, we think about this, the route of, the, the route of condemnation, all right? Um, and and I, I, this isn't an excuse for us to be condemning people. But the route of condemnation is ground into us every single day by the culture around us. I, quick question. Have you watched the news in the last 24 hours. No, thank you. You're, 
you're a better person for that, Scott. Okay? Now, does it mean, here's what, I don't want to be like, oh, are we not supposed to be informed about what's going on? I'm not saying that. I think that is the, the polar opposite. Ridiculous. But to be so wrapped up in it, it's so, it's nasty. If you watch the news, and you can watch your network because, you know, that's the one that's given the truth. All right, and, and then this other one is just, you know, all lies, and, and this one's all truth, and, you know, that's how we, we do it. But they spit at each other. They yell at each other. It, it's just, it's this continual back and forth, and if you've noticed maybe something about anger and contempt and condemnation, have you ever seen any of those three or the combination of them? I know I have. And, and so this, it's happening at this dizzying pace, though, right? Like, what do we believe? What do we not believe? There's, man, there's a lot of hate. They dismiss this person. They call this person this. And then, you know, they go over here, and it's, this is fine. And it's just, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I do believe the more that we take that stuff in, it, like, definitely shifts the way that we think. Definitely. Um, watched a... a very interesting, and it's old now, but not too old, but um, interesting documentary, um, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, and about how basically we get put in, as we go through our social media, how we get put in echo chambers. So we really don't hear other people. We hear exactly what people say that are just, you know, thinking just like us. If you haven't watched that, please go watch it. It is, it is amazing. Um, and, be, and I say that because, hi, uh, I say that someone's knocking at the window over here. Um, it's knock at the door. And it, okay. Um, you guys need to really be teaching your kids some scripture. All right, no. Um, so the deal is this. It's, it's filled with anger and contempt. It can easily, we can get swept into this, this stream of anger and contempt, and we can, we can dismiss people, um, you know, whether, whether the last president you couldn't stand or this president you can't stand, and we forget that they're humans created in the image of God, and, and it might not be the president for you. Maybe it's a representative, or maybe it's this person or that, or, and, and then we, we, we look at them as their, their machinery, and we say really bad things about them. And the problem is this, I, I believe this, we don't consider who people are, that they actually have a heart, a mind, a soul, they have a body. They don't, we don't consider like maybe these people are made in the image of God, that they have the Imago Dei that they were created in the image of God. They have the fingerprint of God on them. And what we do is we, 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 they are a sum of their actions. They're not a person. They're a sum of their actions. So when we make a person the sum of their actions, guess what? We, we take away that heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And, and we turn them into this thing that is less than and how again can we bless a person that we view as less than and so what is this log that Jesus speaks of he says you know take the log out of your own eye 
I love this. People use this all the time. Don't judge me, bro. Okay. Calm down. But what is this log? It, it's condemnation. How, how am I supposed to help my brother or my sister if I can't see them? I'm going to guide you through life. I'm going to guide you down. Let's, let's take this for example. I'm going to guide you down the Grand Canyon. But first, let me put this blindfold on. Uh, newsflash. It's not going to end well. When Todd and Jake and I did the Grand Canyon, we did it at night. Stupid. Um, luckily, we had headlamps. Still stupid. Uh, <laughs> but I'm telling you, it would not have ended well if we would have had blindfolds on. And so much of what we do often is we, we come in with good intention but, but we, we can't really see our brother and sister because we're blinded. And so we can't see someone who we've already put in the category of irredeemably bad. So what I want to encourage you with today is this. You have the Holy Spirit. If you're following, if you're an apprentice of Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Here's what I want to encourage you is this. That, that, that people, meet people where they are with the hope that is found in Christ. Meet people where they are. I mean, where were you found? Just dazzling. I was so good. No, man, we were, we were in a world of hurt. And then, and then Jesus, we, we submit our lives to Jesus, and, and we become a people of blessing. We continue to see an increase in goodness around us. And this is because the Spirit of the Lord is at work in us, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, next week, I'm going to talk about, well, what about discernment? Big word, right? Because you said, like, you know, don't condemn anybody. Or how do I get people straightened up, right? Okay. There's a gift of discernment. Now, what I want you to hear me before we leave today, too. I am not telling you that you have to agree with everybody that you can't agree, that you can't disagree with someone. I'm not saying that at all, all right? Again, Romans 1, Paul's saying, hey, these things are wrong, all right? But what's he saying? Don't condemn them. You are not to dismiss these people, all right? You're just as bad, Okay? It's God's grace, and we're going we're to talk about that next week. I want to do one thing before we leave, if you would. Will you guys do something with me? And if you feel like this is weird, um, just hang on. Is that cool? Can we do that? You don't know. Pat's like, I'm not answering that. That's wisdom right there. She's like, she's, yeah, speaking of discernment, right? She's like, I'll answer you in a second. Um, 
Here's what I would love to do, though, before we leave. Um, Ellie, will you put Numbers 6 up again? 24 through 26, is it up there? Cool. Okay. Before we leave today, before you leave today, I would love for you uh, to turn to the person who's next to you. And then it might be weird. And then if you look one way and there's no one that way, find somebody before you leave. Okay? Before you leave. I really, really want to do this. And here's, here's, here's what I want to do. And I want you to do this. Is I want you to look somebody in the eye, first of all. And if that means something weird, like you have, it's okay for you to look up here too. If you're receiving the blessing, I want you to be quiet. It's so hard for us to do. Oh, I want to bless other people. Well, God wants to bless you. I was visiting with someone earlier this week, and and they kept reiterating this. Be still. Be still. Be still. That's what I would love for you to do. And I would love for you to to say this over that person. And this this isn't a rote exercise, right? This is a blessing from the Lord. And I want you to receive that. And then I want the next person to say it to the other person. Do we get that? Uh, I mean, what are, you, what are we doing here? Here's what we're doing. We are saying, may the Lord bring his best to you. May he keep you secure and may you, in knowing that you are his. May his face shine upon you. Know that his face, when he sees you, that he loves you. And because he loves you, he is gracious to you. And that his, as he lifts his countenance upon you, that you will be in the presence of the living God where you will experience peace like you never have before. Who is a, who's good with that? Sounds like a good thing, doesn't it? Cool? Okay. All right. If you're online, Pat is all in. All right? So, so... <laughs> Wisdom has spoken. We can do this, right? I just want you to stand up now. Kevin, you want to go over to Pat there? Yeah, Pat's right there. That's awesome. I think I think everybody else is. We're good. Okay. Again. I would love for you to do this, all right? And so we're going to do it right now. Go ahead and take your positions, all right? Just look at one another.
Hey, Ellie. For live stream people, thank you so much for joining us today. May God bless you. Go out and do the things that God is calling you uh, to do and and may keep you. Um, And we can go ahead, you can go ahead and, and stop the live stream. Got it? Okay. Ellie, look on Spotify real quick. We're going to go old school for a second. Can we do that? We're going to do what they used to call CD worship, but it's called Spotify worship. Is that okay? And I do want to give a shout out. Thank you to the worship team. I want to thank you to the tech team. I want to brag on the tech team just for a second before we do this. I had one of our tech teenagers come up to me last Sunday and said, hey, Andy, I just wanted you to know, I, have, I, was, I went through with a notebook and listened to the live stream, and I'd like to improve some things. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> I was like, God, what a, I mean, what a blessing, right? What a blessing to have these, these people that are up here, you know, volunteers that are up here. Uh, it's amazing. Ellie, look up a song. Uh, are you on Spotify? And we're off live stream. Cool. Look up a song called The Blessing. And I know it's Mother's Day and I know you guys got to get places, but this is, it's eight minutes. Do you have it? Let's just sit in it. I appreciate that, but you got it? Carrie Job, Cody Carnes. <laughs> 